Thank you, Pastor JB. You know, it's always a great, great privilege for me to be here. And um, when I was still the pastor of World Harvest Church, you know, I would be here early and I would be praying in the parking lot. Today, I arrived early. Guess what? I prayed in the parking lot and you know what? It just brought back great memories. And of course, it brought tears of joy to myself. So, um, and you know, a lot of things don't change. Pastor JB is still good looking and fit, right? You guys still have one washroom? <laughs> and uh, you know what? You guys are growing. You're bursting at the seams. But I believe that God has always been good to Thrive Church. God will provide a home for you where you will be able to see Thrive Church, the local body of Thrive Church, just continue to expand. Your territory will continue to grow. Amen? Amen. Keep on believing. Keep on trusting in God. Amen? Amen. So, um, it looks like a familiar face right there. <laughs> but anyways, uh, it's great again to be here. Uh, my name is Pastor Bon, and uh, I have been on sabbatical for a very long time. One day I know that God will call me back into full-time ministry as a pastor that is always in the back of my mind and always in my heart. And uh, it's like when I visit uh, a church that's like alive and thriving like Thrive Church, it just gets me more excited, right? And, um, but anyways, uh, I have a wife and four kids. My wife, Arlene, uh, couldn't make it here today uh, because, um, you know, she is committed to our other church. And I was uh, being granted the, uh, just the uh, permission to come here and just be a blessing to you and to be a blessing to the Lord. So, um, again, thank you very much for your warm welcome. Uh, you guys are doing a series on a heart of worship. So, I am here to teach exactly about praise and worship, what it looks like. And before we dive into our main verses for this morning, I would first like to say that the best way that we can praise and worship God is with our every thought and with our every action. Amen? What does Romans 12 verse 1 say? Say It says, Therefore, offer your, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So what this verse is saying is that worship is really a lifestyle of walking in obedience to God. And worship is all about living our lives the way God tells us how to live our lives. Worship is all about offering ourselves as living sacrifices to God. You know, in the Old Testament, the priest would actually put a dead animal, a dead sacrifice on the altar. And the nice thing about that is that the dead animal, the sacrifice, stayed on the altar. The problem with us living sacrifices is that we offer ourselves to God and then we crawl off the altar. What does crawling off the altar look like? Well, let's take a very, very simple uh, example. Let's just say that we have a Christian. His name is Robert. Is there anyone here by the name of Robert? Okay, there's no Robert here, so that's good. So Robert committed to being an usher, which, which involves ushering or leading people into their seats. And part of ushering also requires the usher to actually maintain peace and order in the sanctuary so that the members are not distracted, and the pastor as well, during the teaching of the Word of God. So for two months, Robert does his job very well. And then on the third month, he decides to quit. And it's not because he didn't do well in his job. In fact, Robert actually excelled in his ushering ministry. But he claims that, you know, ushering just takes too much of his time. So the question now is, what is Robert going to do in terms of ministry? Because 
all ministries actually require a person to be involved, which includes giving up some of their personal time. Look, it's okay to stop doing a ministry if you discover that your gifts do not match up with that ministry. Why force someone who cannot sing to be on the worship team? Are you with me? Amen. So, uh, so it's okay to stop doing a ministry, but you need to make sure you get involved in another ministry. So, Pastor JB, will you guys ever run out of work to do here at Thrive Church? No. So, there you have it. So, if you are not involved in a ministry, I encourage you. You should be involved in a ministry. Talk to Pastor JB, Pastor Charlene, or one of the leaders, and they will make sure that they will match your God-given talents with a ministry that you can excel in. And listen, you don't need to be in a ministry that's in front of other people. You may have a gift in accounting, bookkeeping, right? And so you might join the finance department of the church. And this requires you to work probably during the work days, the weekdays or weeknights away from crowds of people. The important thing is that you are involved in ministry, serving the, the Lord and serving the church. Amen? When you find yourself productive and, and, and doing something enjoyable, then serve God in that ministry faithfully and passionately. Commit and stay committed. Do not crawl off the altar. Amen? Amen. So offering ourselves as living sacrifices is all about uh, surrendering our lives completely to God regardless of how we feel, regardless of what we think. This means we put all our energy and resources at God's disposal. This means that we trust God to guide us in all areas of our lives. This means that we lay aside all our own desires in order to follow His will and His desires. In everything that we do, with the exception of sin, we should do for the Lord. Thrive Church, can you say amen? amen. All right. So if we want to know if you are a true worshiper, ask yourself the questions, can I say that I am truly living the life that God wants me to live? Am I doing what the Bible tells me to do? Am I not doing what the Bible tells me what not to do? Am I living a holy life? What is a holy life? Or what is an unholy life? An unholy life is where um, a person is practicing sexual immorality, drunkenness, lying, cheating, debauchery, greed. You know, you've read your Bible, right? So you know what a holy life looks like. So am I living a holy life? Am I walking in obedience to God? Is my life pleasing to God? If you can say yes to these questions, then I would say that you are a true worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. So at this point, we'd just like to uh, skip to the next slide and actually <clears throat> read from Acts chapter 2, Verses 42 to 47. Do you guys read together the Word of God? The Scriptures? Okay. Let's read, uh, starting with verse 42. They joined with other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, sharing in the Lord's Supper and in prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything they had, they sold their possessions and shared the proceeds with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. 
each day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. So <clears throat> the Christians had unity. They had gladness in their hearts. They had unaffected joy. They had such an open joy when it came to worshiping the Lord. And the one thing that was common to all of them, aside from they were filled with joy, was that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that a Holy Spirit church will be a worshiping church. And I believe that the Holy Spirit-filled Christian will be a worshiping Christian. Amen? Amen? So we have three main takeaways for this morning. Number one, coming together as a church to worship is biblical. Can everybody say biblical? biblical. Acts chapter 2 says, yeah, Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says, that the believers of the first church joined with other believers. Verse 44 says that the members met together once a year. Does it say that? They met together once every six months. No, still no. Okay, they met constantly. Yes? And finally, verse 46 says that the believers worship alone in their homes. No? Oh. The believers worship together at the can everybody say temple? So the verses in Acts chapter 2 show us how the first Christian church operated. And how they operated has become the basis. It has become the template for many churches to follow if they are to become healthy and vibrant churches. And, you know, I, would, I could easily say, you know, that Thrive Church is a healthy and vibrant church. And again... Uh, you know, keep praying for Pastor JB and Pastor Charlene. They, um, it's because of their hard work and because also they're anointed with God's gift and anointing that they're able to do what they're able to do here at Thrive Church. So pray for your pastor every day. Amen? Amen. 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 So the first century church in Jerusalem had unity and joy, and they were fulfilling the purpose for their existence. And the verses that we read, verses 42 to 47, say that this church has had a five-fold ministry. Is what? It had, it had a five-fold purpose. They had ministry, fellowship, discipleship, evangelism, and worship. So we see all these elements when this church met together on a regular basis. So where else in the Bible does it say that we are to gather together as a corporate body? Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 24 to 25. Let's read this together, please. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I think it is very clear what these verses are telling us to do. So what are some bad habits that we practice in our lives? Eating junk food not exercising regularly, not brushing our teeth, not taking a bath every day, uh, being late for school, being late for work, being late for church. Amen? Those are bad habits, right? Picking your nose. I don't know. I haven't seen anyone pick their nose for a long time. But the writer of Hebrews is talking about a bad habit. And that bad habit is not meeting together on a regular basis. So conversely, we could say that a good habit to have is for us to meet together on a regular basis in order to give worship to God. 
Can, can Thrive Church repeat after me? Attending church on a regular basis is a good habit. So my wife, Arlene, and I have four children. We have three boys, uh, three boys. The other way, we have three girls and one boy. So my youngest is Miguel, and uh, I don't know if Pastor JB and Pastor Charlene remember my boy five, six years ago. He was this small. Today, he's 14 years old, and he is almost 5 feet 10 inches tall. He's just a, a healthy, uh, he's just a healthy boy, and he's still growing. So he still lives with us. But all his sisters, they're all in their 20s. They, they live uh, apart from us. But as parents, it brings Arlene and I great joy when all four children gather together in our home in order to fellowship and hang out with one another. So they come to our house. We watch movies together. We, um, we play um, board games. Or sometimes we just hang out around the dinner table. So my wife and I and all my girls live busy lives. So we create all sorts of opportunities and reasons for us to get together. Oh, it's your birthday. Oh, it's Mother's Day. It's Father's Day. Oh, it's Grandfather's Day. You know, it's someone else's birthday. So let's just gather together. And we gather together. Uh, it could be in our homes. Uh, it could be uh, at the park. It could be a restaurant. Wherever. Just as long as we are together as one big happy family. So Needless to say, just seeing all our children together in our house brings my wife and I great joy. In the same way, I believe, I know that it brings great joy to the heart of God when He sees His children gathered together for the purposes of fellowshipping with Him, fellowshipping with other believers, devoting themselves to the teaching of God's Word, and to worship God. So God's heart is blessed when he sees his children gathered together for these purposes. Are you following me this morning? Amen. Amen. So when we gather as a church together, we develop a special bond of unity and strength with other believers. Amen. Amen. We get that confirmation that we belong to one body when we worship together with other believers. Again, Hebrews 10 says that we are to keep on meeting together. When we meet together, it provides an environment for us to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to do good works for one another. Again, how will you do that if you don't come to church on a regular basis? And the writer of Hebrews says that our motivation for loving and serving and encouraging and meeting one another is the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what it says when you see the day approaching. That is the day when Jesus Christ will come back for us, His church, His bride, in the event known as the rapture. So when Christ takes His church in the rapture back to heaven, what do you think we're going to do when we're, when we're in heaven? I don't think we're going to go golfing, right, Kevin? <laughs> uh, we're not going to, I don't know, stuff that we do here regularly on this earth. But one thing for sure we'll do is... We will worship God in one great assembly. Can everybody say together? Yes. Okay, let us read Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 10. Together, there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and wearing holding palm branches in their hands. 
And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Wow, what a beautiful picture. Right? There will be Chinese, Filipinos, Thai, Malaysians, white people, black people, every people from every tongue and every nation. And what will we be doing? We will be praising and worshiping and singing. We'll be bringing honor and glory to the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? After all, isn't this, isn't this the reason why we were created in the first place? To, to bring glory and honor to Him? So all of us, can everybody say, this includes me. All of us will be gathered together and worshiping together. So let's practice, start practicing now. Let's make it a habit to come together regularly, one great assembly, and bringing honor and glory and praise. Amen? Amen. Can everybody repeat after me? I will make it a habit to worship God with other believers. And Thrive Family say amen. Okay, are you learning something this morning? Okay, point number two. Praise and worship can be a sacrifice. It is so easy to be cheerful and thankful when all the traffic lights are green, when there's no congestion on the bridge, when all the flowers are blooming, the sun is shining, not a cloud in the sky, you know, the birds are singing. It is so easy to say, praise the Lord, uh, when all things in our life are going well, when we get a job, when we receive a promotion, when we get a bonus, when we have a good boss, when we are, we are experiencing good health, when our children are doing well in school, when our children are all serving the Lord. But then there will be times where we don't worship because we do not simply feel like worshiping. How many of you can relate to me? Well, let's be honest. I've been there. I've done that. Right? I even have the t-shirt somewhere. Sometimes we could not worship because our hearts are heavy because of difficult circumstances in our lives. How many of you can relate to this? Right? You've got problems, serious problems. Well, let us put things into perspective, shall we? Do you think that the first century believers always felt like praising the Lord? Do you think so? The answer is no. They were persecuted. They were beaten. They were harassed. They were thrown in jail. But nevertheless, they worshiped the Lord. Let's read Acts chapter 16, verses 23 to 25. Together now. After Paul and Silas had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the... So how severe are most of our problems compared to Paul and Silas that we could not sing to God when we have trials in our lives? Paul and Silas and many first century Christians praised God even in the face of death. And this is when praise and worship can actually become a sacrifice. Hebrews 13.15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess His name. So it says, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. And this is what exactly Paul and Silas did in prison. They, they were in chains. They were in prison. Nevertheless, the fruit of their lips were what? Songs and prayers to God. 
And I have no doubt that Paul and Silas, you know, worship God nonstop. Their response to hardship even became a testimony to the other prisoners, right? How many of times have we experienced this? Where in, in, uh, in times of difficulties, other people hear us uh, praising God or being cheerful. And they ask us, how, can, how come you can afford to do that? Don't you have problems in your life? How come you're so joyful, right? And that becomes, for, uh, for us, an opportunity to actually tell them about what Jesus Christ did for us and what Jesus Christ can do for them. Amen? And so I even believe that Paul and Silas shared the gospel, shared the good news to the other prisoners. So we are to praise God without ceasing. Without ceasing means without stopping. So how many of us really are able to say that we're able to give God praise and worship during times of sickness? Right? Last month, Last month, my mom passed away at the ripe age of 90. My mom was a very God-fearing, devout Christian. She led me to Jesus Christ, and she led many souls to Jesus Christ. I believe, this is just an estimate, it could be more. I believe that she led more than 500 people to Jesus Christ, to personal one-on-one evangelism. Every day, she made sure to tell the gospel to someone. That's a great testimony, right? And it's because of her that I've actually, and God's gift, of course, to me, but I'm also an evangelist, right? And in my church, that what my, that's what my role is, right? One day, God will call me back to being a pastor. But today, I'm an elder, and what I do at the church is I actually um, uh, hold workshops, teaching people how to share the gospel, because it's not always easy to share the gospel. So, you know, there's ways... Uh, for people to be trained so that it becomes more natural for them to share the gospel with others. So it's a, f- a three to four hour workshop. But anyways, my mom, she is an evangelist. In February of this year, she was still alive. I was able to go home and visit my mom because I wanted, I knew that she was going to be home with the Lord someday. Someday this year, actually, I knew that that was coming. So I made sure I visited her last February. And my mom was bedridden, and she also has Alzheimer's. Do you know what Alzheimer's is? Alzheimer's is a disease. It is also a form of dementia. Dementia is a broad category of brain diseases that cause a long-term and gradual decrease in the ability to think and remember. So a person with uh, Alzheimer's, you know, their thoughts are all mixed up. They're so confused. They have thoughts, but they're all mixed up. They get confused all the time. So when I visited my mom, I realized that living with and taking care of a person with Alzheimer's disease has its very low moments. But it can also be very interesting. For example, sometimes my mom would say that I am her son, which is accurate. But most of the time, she would say that I am her brother. Sometimes I would be her grandson sometimes i would be her nephew and you know it's okay at least she knows i'm still related to her right <laughs> so our church in manila philippines is a church of 75,000 people very vibrant pentecostal church just like thrive church and that's why i always feel at home when i come here and they have this ministry where they send they send young people to do mini church services in the homes of people 
who for some reason or another cannot come to church. So an example would be people who are incapacitated, just like my mom. So back in February, February 9, I believe, a team of young people came to our house in Manila. They opened the mini service uh, in prayer, and they began to sing songs of praise and worship. And they sang three of my mom's favorite songs, old-time goodies. They sang Amazing Grace, I Love You, Lord, As the Deer Panted for the Water. And the whole time that they were singing, my mom was singing along. And because my mom was very weak, I could not hear her voice. But I watched her lips. This is actually on my Facebook, right? Her lips were moving. She was singing the right words. This is a person with Alzheimer's. Everything's mixed up because of, their, because of the disease. Everything's mixed up here. But you know what? My mom got all the words right. I told everyone that day on Facebook that my mom may forget that I am her son, but she never forgets that Jesus Christ is her Lord and Savior. Amen? Give God a clap offering. My mom had a heart of worship. Again, I'm in awe of God that he's able to let my mom know, these are the words. This is who I am to you. Right? Now, if Paul and Silas could sing songs of praise and worship in the face of death, if my mom, who had Alzheimer's and had been bedridden for five years, could sing songs of praise and worship, don't you think we should be able to give God praise and worship in times of trials, when we have the flu, when we miss the bus, or our phone drops to the floor and breaks, Right? Or when we fail our driving exam, when we experience stress at school or at our places of work, right? How do those circumstances compare to the circumstances of Paul and Silas and my mom? Say amen if you understand what I'm saying. Amen. amen. Now, sometimes tragedy prevents us from praising God. You may remember this story. This is the story of Stephen Curtis Chapman. He's a very famous songwriter and singer. He actually wrote the song, Cinderella, a very beautiful song. He lost his five-year-old daughter when her 17-year-old brother accidentally ran over her with her SUV. So needless to say, the five-year-old daughter of Stephen Curtis Chapman died. So now that is tragic, but Stephen Curtis Chapman chose to worship the Lord. Yes, he grieved. The Bible says there is a time to grieve and there's a time to heal. There's a time for everything. But in the midst of, of this period of pain and suffering and grieving and healing, Stephen Curtis Chapman and his family chose to still worship the Lord. Again, another great example of what a sacrifice of praise looks like. But perhaps one of the greatest examples in the Bible of praise and worship of being a sacrifice comes from the book of Job. Job lost all his children. He, didn't, he lost all his sons. He lost all his daughters. He didn't lose his wife. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. And after he had lost all these, where in the Bible does it say, and Job cursed God? Nowhere in the Bible does, did Job say this. 
Instead, let us read what Job said. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my water's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job had a heart of worship. Amen? I hope and pray that none of you will ever go through what Job went through. It is a terrible, terrifying, horrific thing for a person, for any person to go through this. I know because I went through this on a much smaller scale. Much smaller scale, but yet still very traumatic, so hurtful. I mentioned to you that my mom passed away last month, so I had to go back home to the Philippines. So we had a very nice celebration of life service for my mom, and we rejoiced. Uh, because she is now in heaven. So after five days, again, my, wife, my sister and I, we were in a period of grieving because of the loss of our mom. And then all of a sudden, we got a phone call saying, are you the brother of Rocky, my brother? So I have a long-lost brother. And his friends said, oh, your brother has been in a motorcycle accident. So, and it's not good. So, my sister and I, we were still grieving. And five days later, here we are. We had to go to the hospital. And when we got there, my brother was just laid out on a gurney. He suffered head injuries. He was already brain dead. His body was still alive. And he passed away 16 hours later. And during those 16 hours, I spent that time just there with my brother. And those times, that 16 hours was probably the most difficult 16 hours of my life. I was hurting. I was grieving. I was confused. I was lost. And I was saying to the Lord, Lord, first my mom, now my brother. Like, why is this happening, Lord? Why? And you know what? In the midst of all of that, God spoke to me and said, why don't you talk to the friends of your brother, and tell them about Jesus Christ. And even though every cell of my body did not want to do it, I walked in obedience to God, and I shared the gospel to my brother's friends. I told them that life is short. I told them how much Jesus loves them. I told them how Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for their sins and to purchase a place for them in heaven. And you know what? At least one of them surrendered their lives to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. So give God a clap offering. So how was I able to walk in obedience? By the way, I didn't feel like standing up, grabbing a guitar, and saying, and singing Amazing Grace. That, you know, that was not, I don't think that anyone could do that. But what I did was to walk in obedience to God. How did I walk in obedience to God? Well, I chose to believe that God is still God and will always be God. I chose to believe that God is still good. I chose to believe that God can be trusted and He knows better. He knows everything and He will not let me get into harm. I trusted in His plan. I trusted in His instructions. I trusted in His word. Amen? Regardless of how we feel, regardless of the circumstances in our lives, we need to continually give God praise and worship 
by walking in obedience. Again, it's not always going to be easy. No one said it's going to be easy. But when we're able to do it, that is when it truly becomes a sacrifice of praise. And it pleases, it, God, it pleases the heart of God when He sees His children continually worshiping Him, whether the circumstances that they are in are good or bad. Amen? Our last point for this morning. Point number three, praise is something that we need to verbalize. Can everybody say verbalize? What does verbalize mean? It means to express in words. How many of us love to shout and scream joyfully when we watch the Canucks game? Raise your hands. Uh, I don't watch hockey, but did the Canucks make the playoffs last year? No? no? Okay, so bad example. <laughs> so personally, I scream and I shout for joy when LeBron James goes for a powerful, thunderous, authoritative dunk. Right? Some of you may scream and shout for joy when your Golden State Warriors or uh, your favorite baseball team or your soccer team wins a championship. Some of you, well, let me ask you this question. How many of you love to sing karaoke? Raise your hands. Karaoke. How many? Where are the Filipinos? Raise your hands. <laughs> Almost all Filipino household has, I would say 99%, has a karaoke system, right? I'm from the Philippines, and most Filipinos love to sing karaoke. It doesn't matter if we have a good voice or bad voice. It doesn't matter. We just sing, right? Now, some of you may sing non-Christian songs. I get that, right? And you probably sing your favorite non-Christian songs with a lot of passion and excitement and a lot of joy. Listen, brothers and sisters in Christ, if we can sing, if you can sing worldly songs, Loudly and joyfully. Don't you think we should verbalize our praise and worship with even more intensity? Yeah. Amen. 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 After all, are we praising, aren't we praising the Lord God Almighty? Amen. Aren't we praising the greatest being in the universe Amen. who has no beginning and no end? The maker of the heavens and the earth? To all whom all things belong? Yeah. Amen. So we should offer the sacrifice of praise, giving thanks with our lips. Let's read Luke chapter 19, please. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Together rebuke your disciples. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So in Luke chapter 19, it says the disciples of Jesus they were heavily into praising God in loud voices. Why? Because of all the miracles. Can everybody say miracles? They were heavily into praising God because of all the miracles that they had seen. And you know what? The religious people did not like this. So what did they do? They asked Jesus, hey, tell your disciples to shut up. And what did Jesus say? In verse 40, he said, if they keep quiet, if my disciples keep quiet, then the stones will cry out. Now, how many of you would like to hear the stones cry out? Really? I think that, you guys are crazy. I think that would be a very horrifying experience. It might be dangerous too, right? So, 
we need to verbalize our praise to God. Otherwise, the rocks will cry out. But Pastor Bon, God hasn't done any miracles in my life. Really? What about the miracle of salvation? When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you receive the gift of eternal life. God in His mercy took away. He took away hell from your future. Amen? And He replaced hell with the hope and the promise of eternal life. Amen? Thrive Church, repeat after me. God saving me is a miracle. And I will always thank Him for my salvation. Can Thrive Church say amen? So we need to verbalize. So we have a reason to praise and worship God. That's a great miracle. And I'm sure there's other miracles after God saved you. But we need to verbalize our praise to God. God wants to hear those praises from our lips. Just like a wife needs to hear from her husband how much she is loved and appreciated. Husbands, how many husbands are here? Raise your hands. Husbands. Hey, so when was the last time your wife heard you say, Honey, I love you. You know, thank you for all the wonderful things that you do. When was the last time your wife heard that? Does she know? Does she know? Uh, someone said, yeah, she knows. How does she know? Is your wife a mind reader? No, she's not. Husbands, I would like you to turn to your wives and say to her, husbands, turn to you. You said your wife is beautiful. She is beautiful. Turn to your wife. Pastor JB and other husbands, turn to your wife. There you go. No more in between. Repeat after me. I think Pastor Bon is a funny guy. No, seriously. Look into your wife's eyes and say, Honey, you're great. You're awesome. Thanks for all the things you do. I love you. No, that wasn't so bad, was it? Now, wives, turn to your husbands. Okay, give God a clap offering. And then don't just say that on Mother's Day or your, your anniversary. Say that every day. Now, wives, turn to your husbands and say this. Honey. Oh, so, so, so. I can't hear anything. Just Pastor Shar. Okay. okay, wives, turn to your husbands and say, Honey, you're great. You're awesome. Thanks for all the things you do. I love you. Amen. So we need to verbalize our appreciation and love for one another. In the same way, God wants to hear from us our appreciation and our expression of love and thanksgiving to Him. God is the greatest being in the universe. Amen? Is there anyone that loves you more than God does? No. Did God not send His only begotten Son to die on the cross for you, to pay for the punishment for your sins? Amen? Isn't God the reason why heaven is written in our future? Isn't God the reason why our names are written in the Lamb's book of life? Amen? Is there anyone more deserving of praise than God. No. So God deserves our praise and worship. So tell God you love Him. Tell God you adore Him. Can everybody say verbalize? And when you sing songs of praise and worship, reflect on the words that you are singing. Right? Sure, you praise God with your lips, but the heart and the mind needs to be involved as well. Now keep in mind that God is the object of our worship. Do not be distracted by the, by the worship team or 
by the people who are arriving late. They're not the object of worship. God is the object of our worship. Also, do not look disinterested. I didn't see this at Thrive Church, but some churches, people are like this when they're praising God. Come on. How do we scream? How do we celebrate when the Canucks, no, Canucks, when uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers or Golden State, you know, wins the championship, right? We shout for joy. Yay, right? And then uh, when it comes to praise and worship time, we're like, Yes, as the deer panted for the water so much. Okay, that, that's not a picture of passion, right? And when you sing, don't mumble. Amen? Amen. Sing. Sing out loud to the Lord. But Pastor Bon, I don't have a great voice. Listen, neither did thousands of contestants that applied to be on American Idol or America's God Talent. That did not stop them. It should not stop us either. I don't think God really cares if we sing in tune or out of tune. No, the person in front of you or the person beside you. I hope I wasn't singing out of tune, Pastor JB. Okay. The person beside you might care. But you know what? I know for a fact that God is more interested in the condition of our heart than the quality of our voice when we are worshiping Him. Amen? Okay, one final thought. Last slide, please. This is what it boils down to. If you want to be a person who's always excited about coming to church, to fellowship with God, to fellowship with other believers, to listen and study and learn the Word of God, if you want to be a person who is able to uh, passionately sing to the Lord, if you are a person who wants to be that person who uh, is able to give God praise and worship, even in ugly circumstances. If you are a person who wants to live a holy and righteous life before God and before others, if you want to be a person who always walks in obedience to God, then this is what it comes down to. You need to have a heart of worship. Amen? If you don't have a heart of worship, then you need a change of heart. You need a heart transplant. And where can I get this heart, Pastor Bond? Well, it comes from having a close, a deep, and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? And the way you achieve this is by spending time with Jesus. Listen to Pastor JB. Listen to, is it Sophie? Oh, she can be a preacher one day. Amen. Right? So the more time you spend with a person, the stronger and the more uh, deep and the more intimate our relationship with the other person gets. Am I correct? It's no different when it comes to Jesus. The more we read our Bibles, the more, more, the more time we spend with Jesus in prayer, the more we will get to know Jesus, the more we will know to get, about, to get to learn about His love for us, and the more we will fall in love with Him. And as we fall in love with Him more and more, we will come to a point where... We will just have a heart of worship. Praising and worshiping God will just become natural for you and for me. You won't need Pastor JB or another person to say, hey, they don't, you won't need to be reminded, hey, you need to be a worshiper. If you have a heart of worship, then the right actions will follow accordingly. And the fruit of your lips 
will naturally confess, it will naturally profess, it will naturally praise the name of Jesus. Did you learn something this morning? Praise the Lord. Give God a clap offering.